Hello, you're listening to Meet the Locals, an insider's guide to British Airways destinations, where locals give you the lowdown on what to do, what to see and where to go in their city. My name's Heidi Fuller-Love and today we're going to meet the locals in the hip and lively British Airways destination of Manchester in England. birthplace of the Industrial Revolution and unofficially known as Capital of the North, industry, music and sport have really shaped the history of this gritty, generous-hearted town in northwest England whose wealth came from the cloth trade. But Manchester isn't just famous for weaving. This is a city soaked in history. To give you a few examples, this is where Mr. Rolls and Mr. Royce met and set up their legendary car company. Uh, This is also the world-famous residence of Old Trafford, home of Manchester United Football Club. The city's 12-day Pride Festival attracts record number of visitors from around the world each year. And the village, which is near Canal Street, is home to one of Europe's oldest gay communities. The city split into seven districts and it's easy to get around. There's a free bus service called the Metro Shuttle. There's the Metrolink, or Met as it's called locally. There's also a hop-on and hop-off bus. But today I'm going to hop in a black cab. And it's not just any cab. This one is driven by a real Mancunian. My name is John Constantine. I'm a tour guide in Manchester. I operate a company called Manchester Taxi Tours, which is exactly what it says on the tin. (laughs) I do tours in my taxi. I've worked on the streets of Manchester for many years and I give bespoke tours. So it's not one set tour. It's anything that you want to see in Manchester. I can take you and show you. So I do music tours, industrial tours... Um, heritage type tours of families researching their family history because a lot of people emigrated from Manchester to other parts of the world. But this is the Castlefield area of Manchester and Manchester is a very important city in world terms because Manchester is the world's first industrial city and it's but it's prior to Manchester becoming that world's first industrial city that why and how it all happened and where we are at the moment this is the Castlefield area and Castlefield is the Roman part anything with anything in the UK that has Chester on the end generally has a Roman connection so Manchester the Chester part gives you that Roman connection and where we are now is the confluence of two of the rivers that Manchester's built on Manchester's built on three rivers the River Irk the River Irwell and the River Medlock and in AD 79 the Romans first came into this area it wasn't called Manchester it was called Mancunian by the Romans and the Romans built a fort here and this then gives you that regional location as to why Manchester was important in Roman times as it is today. And it's very accessible by road, by rail and also by aeroplane. Manchester has the third busiest airport in the UK. Also when you're here there's so much to see because from Roman Manchester right up to modern Manchester there's all these different places where you can go and see and little bits of history left over so where we are now we've got a remnant of the Roman wall Manchester has got some great world sites like Old Trafford or Manchester City's football stadiums also the great music scene that's going on as well there's different places around the city like there's also the old Manchester docks which is now called Salford Keys which is where Media City is which is then 
Manchester moving on into the future so you can get a glimpse into the future as well so see where Manchester is heading to Manchester doesn't have an underground like they have in London mm. has an overground passenger railway system so makes it very easy to get around as well so again it's all part of that modern city living Manchester's known for the cotton industry yeah. but along with the cotton industry if you think back into those times obviously you're too young to remember <laughs> the before computers that everything was done on ha by hand mm. so ledgers so there's lots of offices banks insurance companies also the industrial buildings of the sales rooms for the for the cotton industry so where did you go to buy your cotton goods you came to manchester this was the the market the commercial market where merchants from all over the world came to and then the transport systems the logistics then would move the goods all around the world so manchester was the center of the world's cotton trade for 150 years but what happened was the machinery that manchester then exported because Manchester, as well as known for the cotton industry, was also known for engineering. And if they're exporting machinery all over the world, then people are going to start their own cotton industry. Then Manchester then becomes redundant. The world's first industrial city brought with it the world's first proletariat, the, the working classes. So a lot of trade union laws, a lot of other... Um, health and safety laws come from Manchester as well mm -hmm. and the university now between Manchester and Salford the twin cities in the conurbation of Manchester the largest university campus in Europe Manchester University has always been at the forefront of scientific achievements as well the technology then the first atom was split in Manchester in 1917 wow. the first programmable stored computer comes from Manchester the latest innovation to come from Manchester is graphene and graphene is the thinnest strongest substance known to man so again, there's all this development and this then is driving the city into the future. When I was growing up, the buildings were black. There was not much work. Now it's completely changed and the, the, the difference in seeing new buildings and old buildings, how they all fit together and old areas becoming now vibrant, lively areas like the Northern Quarter area, which is like the independent part of the city, which was the old market area when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And now is the, is the lively, vibrant bars, restaurants and music venues and traditional Manchester pubs, record shops, vintage clothes shops. Again, it's all, all part of how it's changed. John tells me that you can easily spend three days exploring Manchester. Maybe take a tour with me on the first day and then spend the other three or four days then looking around the city. And also all the museums and galleries are free, so we've got the Museum of Science and Industry, we've got the National Football Museum, we've also got libraries, so John Ryland's Library, one of the prettiest libraries in the world. They're always in the top ten of world's loveliest libraries, if that's the right word. <laughs> but also we've got... Um, Chesham's Library, which is the oldest library in the English-speaking world, which is where Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels studied for the Communist Manifesto. Mm -hmm. So you've got this great depth of history, So, but there's something here for everybody. I always say that Manchester is greater than the sum of all its parts, and there's nothing you can take out of Manchester and still have the same city. So great shopping here as well. Market Street in Manchester, the main shopping street, is the second busiest shopping street in the UK, as for, after Oxford Street in London. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to to shop Manchester's a great place you know it's it's got everything it's got everything except a beach as Ian Brown from the Stone Roses said <laughs> yes there's boats there's, yeah. uh, there's you can do canal trips there's also Salford Quays which Manchester Old Docks now has been transformed into this waterfront area which the Manchester Ship Canal was one of the largest civil engineering projects ever undertaken in the world in the 
night is turn Manchester into an ocean-going port. What I do is make sure that when you leave Manchester, you've been to Manchester, you've seen all the different areas. With Man- Manchester being the city that it is, with all the different aspects, so the football, the fashion, and also has a very vibrant music scene. Northern Soul is a huge genre of music that... that comes out of Manchester in the north of England and there's areas in the northern quarter where there's little music venues that are still then producing music for today and the main music site is the Hacienda, the Ritz and Salford Lads Club, these are iconic musical venues there's also the Joy Division Bridge and there's also probably the number one location is the Free Trade Hall which is where the Sex Pistols played in 1976 and that led to that new wave of Manchester music so again it's all part of that old industrial buildings giving rise then to these new aspects the new life that was being bred into Manchester so the, the Heritage Tours came out by accident really um, I was contacted, the first one I ever did, I was contacted by someone who said um, they were coming from somewhere in North America and they wanted to find relatives, um, graves, houses where they lived and places. And I realised then that what I could do was actually do the research before they came over. I'll go out and I'll find graves and churches and schools. I've even found cousins while I've been out and about as well. And it's very emotional as well, and it's a real privilege for me to be actually be involved because I'm building a picture of people that I don't know and then presenting it to people when they come over to, to Manchester. But a lot of people, because the life in Manchester was so hard, working in the mills and the factories, that if you got the opportunity, or the coal mines, if you got the opportunity to actually go to the new world, then I think you would have taken it with open arms and many people did and it was these people and I was thinking they must be as brave as lions because somewhere along the line they were stood on a dockside with a bag going to another world it'd be like us going to the moon now it'd be like when you're coming back well we don't know we don't know if we're ever going to come back and obviously a lot didn't come back and I did a tour last year for a guy who traces family back a thousand years and we were sat in a medieval tower in North Manchester and this is where his family had emigrated from. We drive over the futuristic Trinity Bridge, which links the twin cities of Manchester and Salford. Then on John's advice, I head down to Salford Keys, the stunningly derelict docklands of the Salford and Trafford Keys area, which is home to the Lowry. Up early the next day, I meet Gemma Crisco. Gemma is the director of a locally based PR company. She's lived and worked in the city for 20 years. We meet at the principal of the luxurious hotel housed in a magnificent heritage building, which is one of the city's landmarks. So this is the Winter Garden, um, part of the principal hotel in Manchester. Um, the space where sat in is truly beautiful. It is, yeah. So this building was originally built by um, a company, an insurance company called the Refuge Insurance. And this particular space was um, where the secretaries worked, where all the administration was done. The other part of the building, which is the actual hotel, which was where all the managers were and all the directors and all the big bosses. So when we actually opened the, reopened the space, um, we had you know, secretaries from many years ago who are cute little old ladies now coming and asking could they actually go up the staircase in the hotel because if you went up the staircase you were either getting sacked or promoted um, so many of them never saw that 
historically in the past maybe you know Manchester has tried to compete with London but recently it's got its own identity um, very much like you know Madrid's different to Barcelona they don't compete they're different places they're different cities I would say that Manchester is literally on fire at the moment um, there was a crane survey done recently and I think we have the most amount of cranes in Europe at the moment which just is symbolic of what's happening people are coming here as a tourist from all over the world to Manchester because it's Manchester and not just because of football there are certainly people coming here for culture for music for food for entertainment for pride you know the city is very cosmopolitan but very inviting and warm at the same time I think um, music is you know pumps through the heart of the city and it doesn't have to be a particular genre of music, so it could be, you know, anything from Joy Division to The Smiths to Stone Roses to take that through to, you know, uh, culture-defining nightclubs such as The Warehouse Project, um, which is a pop-up in a car park and has been for the last 13 years. Or you could go to Salford and party in an old garage, which is called the White Hotel. I would say if you are interested in music in any type of capacity, then Manchester has something for you. Um, yeah, football. If you're a football fan, we see a lot of people come to City and Manchester um, to experience that. The arts and the kind of bubbling scene of artists and graffiti artists that that's everywhere so you go to the northern quarter and you could you could spend all day there looking at you know um, graffiti art and fashion is an interesting one obviously the rag trade in Cheatham Hill has been around for so many years and what's happened now is the traditional kind of market sellers have now become global fashion platforms such as Boohoo, Pretty Little Things, you know, these are leading uh, fashion houses. People aren't selfish here, you know, for the greater good of making things happen, people will work together. I think we are a, a friendlier bunch as well, maybe, compared to some other cities. Yeah, I think it's a great, I think it's a great city. You can tell a Mancunian, whether they're a real one or a pretend one, like myself. <laughs> Checking out of the principal, I head for the Cow Hollow Hotel, a charming boutique property at the heart of the city's northern quarter. Out on the streets there are quirky shops, cafes, restaurants and indie shops. One of them is Oi Poloi, a shop which, as one magazine put it, has been defining the Mancunian star scene for the past 15 years. I asked Sam, one of the salesmen, why the shop is so special. I think there's a lot of outdoor stuff, a lot of stuff you'd maybe expect maybe call it hiking gear and that sort of thing in Manchester obviously it rains a lot so you know jackets are a massive thing the idea sort of came about years ago was when the founders Steve and Nigel they met at a um, I think it was someone's birthday and they, I think they maybe know each other a little bit and they'd gone to a curry house and they ended up sat next to each other started talking turns out they were both into a lot of similar things whether it was like classic old Adidas trainers or it was obscure European comfort shoes that no one's ever heard of or just like a classic good pair of jeans or Scandinavian outdoor jackets and all these sort of things came together. Usually you wouldn't usually see them together in the same shop, maybe you'd have to go to a, an outdoor shop or a sports shop or a, you know, a shop that sells trainers or a fishing shop to get all this stuff because it's also niche and specific whereas their idea was I want to wear this jacket but I also want to wear those trainers with it. 
striving to be the best version seems to be a constant theme here in Manchester, where some astoundingly creative entrepreneurs have changed the face of the city over the past few decades. One of them is Kim O'Brien, who, in partnership with Sasha Lord and Sam Candle, is general manager of warehouse projects and park life events. We have lunch at Gorilla, a cosy industrial chic bar, live venue and club space curated by another groundbreaking local group of entrepreneurs known as Mission Mar. Hi, so I'm Kim O'Brien. I'm the general manager of Warehouse Projects, music events and Park Life Festival in Manchester. So Warehouse Projects have been going 12 years and we are a series of music events. So we do 35 events between September and January every single year. So um, we try and keep it interesting. So we will close down for the whole year and then in September we open the doors and we run 35 incredible shows really interesting in interesting venues and then on the 1st of January we close our doors for last time and then no one sees or hears anything until we do a campaign in July and we announce what's coming the following winter it's 12 years old now Warehouse Project it's a real Manchester institution Um, and lots of kind of people in their 20s and 30s have spent years at Warehouse Projects and it shapes who they are and people have met their husbands and boyfriends and we hear all these stories, you know. It's In the winter, it's kind of house music, electronic, a little bit of um, drum and bass, everything that's quite current and new. I asked Kim how it all began. So Stasha and Sam decided, right, we'll go away and book a couple of big shows to dip our foot in the water. And Sam got completely carried away and ended up booking about 30 shows. So we didn't even have a venue at the time. We had nowhere to live. We had about two months to find one and we had 30 huge shows for like 3,000 capacity all books we went out we found an old derelict built well we found an old building which is Boddington's Brewery so it's a really old building which has been knocked down now we just put the put the events in there we moved in and the rest was history it went really well there'd been nothing like it in Manchester before so it kind of put Manchester on the map um, and people travel from everywhere so we have we have customers who travel we've had some from Hawaii America all around Europe you know because the shows are so iconic music so we are talking about dance music house music um, hip hop techno and we book the leading artists so let's say for example Eric Prince had a new show or a new a new um, live show we would book it Now it's time to meet Luke Cowdery. Luke Cowdery is one half of the city's legendary DJ outfit, the Unabombers. He's now one of the city's top foodies. We meet at The Refuge, his new restaurant, and he tells me about his evolution from food to music. And then he gives me a truly epic list of places to eat in the rainy city. So my name is Luke Cowdery. Uh, I am one half of a partnership with uh, Justin David Crawford. We began as DJs in Manchester, running clubs, electric chair, uh, Homo Electric, and we also um, DJed as the Unabombers. We then, ten years ago, started to run a series of bars and restaurants, namely uh, Electric and Volta, and to this day now where we're sat in the refuge in the old hotel which was called the palace manchester had a real uh, gutsy edgy uh, old school feel to it and people came for that you know you had music uh, the whole factory records thing going on it was kind of brutal northern city but people loved it for that so the tourism that came here was you know sort of 
backpackers from America had read about Joy Division or, or whatever. So it was a really, it was a real niche thing. So there was all sorts of things happening politically. It was, um, it was a, a town of resistance and militancy, I guess. Um, people said what they thought, which goes all the way back to suffragettes and still is in the DNA in Manchester. But in those days, politically, musically, it was definitely on the periphery. There was a real, uh, love for the music here a, a real breadth you know from northern soul music to house music um indie music rock and roll the whole scene here was uh incredibly vibrant and, and effervescent uh, and the culture manchester was a, a big proud city which uh it was kind of cocky in a way it kind of walked tall and uh but in, in in an understated way if that's at all possible so yeah 33 years ago we both arrived in the city uh, for that and um, Manchester was a very different city then it was um, there was Hume which is a big council estate only a mile from where we sit, where we sat now which where there was huge amounts of music uh, a lot of the the, the the estate was squatted and but from that huge amounts of, you know bands came from there DJs came from there all sorts of stuff happened they were like Berlin I guess in uh, the mid 90s up to, and uh, by you know, by the mid '90s, Manchester had gone from the uh, a real independent, small city uh, bubbling with lots and lots of different types of effervescence to the going through acid house, uh, which was a huge thing here, a massive thing here culturally. Um, only 300 metres down the road, less was a place called the Music World, uh, sorry, Rock World, and a music box where we put on electric chair until like 2009 when we, we ended the night when it then became a festival in Croatia called Electric Elephant. Without sounding trite, there's always a connection with food and, um, and music. I think uh, it's, it's a passionate thing, it's a love, it's a, it's a, a you know, it's about, um, I guess, enjoying life. And when we were, when we, we ended up doing relatively well, I guess, and uh, traveling the world and DJing, and, and with that, we ended up in places like Rome and uh, Barcelona and Australia, America, New York, all over. And we just really, every time you did a gig, you, you ate before the gig, and you would do so with the promoters who would inevitably try and outdo the, the early promoter by showing, proper food of their of their country so we just fell in love with hospitality in, in its most uh, basic format which was just eating soulful food with friends and talking and, and and we fell in love with that whole mediterranean style of casual eating it's not three courses sequence with white linen and a french waiter overfilling your glass of wine all the time so it, by the mid 90s when we were traveling we wanted to bring some of that back we, we when we were in australia we loved the idea that you could go to a place and have brunch coffee wine you could eat there they'd play music and it was all under one roof and suddenly we realized mansion deserved more than pizza land and bernie inn and um, when we first came here the idea of sharing food for some people was alien you know <laughs> the development in the city is incredible you've got pollen bakery in uh, ancos which honestly is uh, one of the best bakeries in the country and this is all homegrown talent it's an exciting time in food and it's a different city um, you've got the real gutsy cafe peasant style food at the bottom end if you want to call it the bottom end and at the top end you have the 
the French and uh, Manchester House and and, all th- and and Tast, which is just open. If you start, for instance, in the uh, suburbs of South Manchester, what was once called the Curry Mile, which bizarrely isn't a Curry Mile anymore, is actually full of uh, Iranian, Persian, Afghani, Kurdish peoples who have moved into an area that had from the dizzy heights of the Curry Mile in the 90s, 80s and 90s, which was a huge tourist spot, that has kind of dissipated. And what has, what has developed is this incredibly authentic uh, locals place where um, you get some of the best food in Manchester. Kurdish wood grills with cobida kebabs and chicken and fish with homemade bread in the tandoor, amazing salads, lentil soup with cumin and broth. And you're talking around £7.50 a head for a soup uh, water and uh, breads and grilled meats and fish and salads. It's so cheap. One of the new up-and-coming stars of the uh, independent scene in Manchester has definitely been uh, Sugo, where they do incredible, unbelievably authentic southern Italian pasta. It's soul food. It's unbelievable. There's no, it's not bling. It's not ostentatious. It's again, it's um, sleeves rolled up food, but it's impeccable quality. If you are looking to eat street food. Again, Manchester's just gone through the roof on that. But if I had to choose one, I would choose uh, Firebird Hope, which is a fried chicken. It's organic, it's free-range, and uh, it's done with such love. I I don't think I've ever tasted a better chicken sandwich in my life. I think if I was going to go for small plates, and that's Levanta, it's actually a Basque restaurant, El Gato in Manchester, if you're in the suburbs, I would say Mian Pho, which is Vietnamese. It's unbelievably cheap. It was number one on TripAdvisor for a really good reason. It wasn't, you know, friends and family telling you how good it was. Mm-hmm. You have to go into the city centre of Manchester in the northern quarter for a three curries and rice. Rice and three, as it's called, which was originally for the Bengali workers who worked in the rag trade in the 60s. And this is where you... It was a canteen where you got three dollops of different varieties of curries from rice and a chapati, and that, that was your lunch. You can eat under seven quid, and if you go to Yadga, for instance, or this and that, you can have some extraordinarily odd curries. Obviously, I think you should come to the refuge because I think this is, and this is a bit of a self-promotion, but actually isn't, but it's a huge old opulent building and the food from Volta at the small plate sharing concept is here. I, I guess the Sunday roast is somewhere that's done very well in Manchester because I think people will go out for it. Uh, and it has to be bloody good because if it's not as good as your mum's then you're not going to eat it and you're certainly not going to spend money on it. I end my stay at Albert Schloss. This bohemian beer palace has been created on a massive scale. Uh, There are four Czech copper beer tanks that can hold up to 4,000 pints of beer. They also stage lots of weird and wonderful acts. In the beginning, he begged for a word with which to imagine and she gifted him You've been listening to Meet the Locals and you'll find contact information for all the sites mentioned in the Meet the Locals fact sheet on British Airways website. Remember to look out for Meet the Locals guides to other destinations on your next British Airways flight.